Good Sunday morning, and welcome to MoneyWise with Ray Lance of USA Wealth Group, your financial and retirement guide. Thank you for making us part of your Sunday morning. The mission of USA Wealth Group is to help protect you, protect your family, and protect your money. So, Ray, what will we be discussing on today's show? Well, good Sunday morning, and good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Today, we're going to be talking about Social Security, your most important asset, your most valuable asset. We're going to talk about some very important rules for when you should collect, how you should collect. We're also going to talk today a little bit about the importance of having proper estate planning documents in place. And for that purpose, I'd like to say a quick good morning to attorney Michael Coleman from Lance Law, Inc. Good morning, everyone. Good to be here. Good morning, Mike. It's a, a great pleasure to have you with us as always. Thank you. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're in for a special treat today. I've always told people that Social Security is the largest asset that you have. And people don't think of it that way. They think of it as, well, I get a check every month. That's How is that an asset? Because if you take the economic value of that check that you get and you multiply it over the number of years that you're expecting to collect Social Security, it's the largest single retirement asset that most people have. And boy, is it a complicated subject, Mike. You know, there are something like 2,728 core rules for Social Security. So I wonder how many people listening today might understand how complex Social Security really is. I would guess not many, to no, be honest. You're, you're absolutely right. It's, um, it's a subject that people say, well, I'm going to collect Social Security when I'm 62 or when I'm 65 because then I'm going to sign up for Medicare or maybe I'll wait until I'm age 66 or I heard I can also wait until age 70, but I'm not sure I want to wait until age 70 because I might need the money right now to live on. Well, the irony is if you can wait longer, you're going to make more. Your initial check is going to be greater, and that initial check is going to be larger for the rest of your life. So it's not for everybody. Uh, we hear so many stories every single day. I just talked to somebody this past week a client for many, many years. Um, I got a message from her saying, could, she, could I call back? It was personal, and I called her back, and her voice didn't sound right. And I said, gee, your voice doesn't sound good. I said, what's going on? Is there a problem? And she said, my dear husband just died this past week. And I was just practically knocked over. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I just can't believe that. I was really quite a shock. And I said, how old was he? He was 67 years old. And this is a true story, ladies and gentlemen. We don't know how long we're going to live, and uh, we need to make plans. We need to make plans to know that our money is going to last. So, Mike, let me ask you a question. How long do you plan to live? Oh, I don't know. That's that's a tough question. I'm hoping to get into the 80s, maybe, but I want quality, too. No, so. aim higher. Aim higher. Okay. 90s. <laughs> As long as I'm still with it. <laughs> well, I used to say age 85 because that was the age that my uh, grandfather was when he passed away. My dad died much younger. But, you know, we're all healthier today. We're taking better care of ourselves. We're living longer. So I think 90 or 95 might be a good age. That would be, that'd be good, like I said, as long as uh, I'm still with it and I can tell what's going on around me and communicate with my loved ones. Then fine, I'll take that. You know, that's an important thing in... in I think for most people, you can put up with some physical disabilities if you have them, but you certainly want to keep your, your brains about you, right. don't you? exactly, yeah. Well, 
I'm going to talk a little bit about duty this morning because I think we all have a duty to take care of our families as much as we can. I think we need to make sure that if something happens to me, for example, my Social Security can pass along to my wife and things of that nature. Thomas Jefferson once said, only aim to do your duty and mankind will give you credit where you fail. And Robert E. Lee, did you ever hear Robert E. Lee? I have, yes. Yes, Confederate uh, Commander-in-Chief of the uh, during the Civil War. Robert E. Lee wrote, wrote once, duty is the sublimest word in the language. You can never do more than your duty. You shall never wish to do less. So I think that everybody has a duty to have the best retirement they can possibly have. I think we have a duty to make as much money and make the right choices when it comes to something like Social Security so that our families will be taken care of. Theodore Parker, a famous writer, also said, who escapes a duty avoids a gain. So I'm going to come back with some additional quotes about that. But what I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, about Social Security is that the system that we have as Social Security really promotes inequality in a very systematic way. And it's not because of what individual beneficiaries earned. It's because they don't make the right choices. And there are too many choices to be made. And it's really difficult to understand the rules. What we're going to do today is we're going to talk about some of the important rules for Social Security. As I said, the Social Security has 2,728 core rules and thousands more supplemental rules. The regulations alone for Social Security are 20,000 pages. So if you think you can get through this all by yourself, let me tell you that you need some help and you need to get some assistance. I read some statistics recently, Mike, that said that 77% of all retirees expect to receive specific advice from the government Social Security representative. However, Social Security representatives are prohibited by regulation from giving advice to the public. That makes sense to me. They want to make some, themselves liable for you know, giving advice to people when you know, they could make the wrong decisions yep. or uh, potentially not collect as much as they could otherwise. So the Social Security representatives are allowed to give you information about how much your earnings are and what you can expect to receive at certain ages, but they're not allowed to tell you some of the strategies that we're going to be talking about today. And the other thing that we have found and we've read recently is that if you have couples who have assets of more than $250,000, 67% of those couples expect their financial planner and financial advisor to give them advice on Social Security claiming options. And 57% of that same survey group said if they could not get Social Security advice from their advisor, they would look for another advisor. So you need to have somebody you can work with who understands the complexity of the Social Security rules and can tell you what your own options are. You know, toward that purpose, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be doing some seminars this coming week. They're going to be on Tuesday, July 21, and Thursday, July 23rd, and Saturday, July 25th. And the subject of our workshop is going to be Maximize your social security benefits and what social security cannot tell you. So this is a free workshop. Um, ideally, it's for people who are between the ages of 58 and 65. 
but really any age group can attend because you have to be concerned about the social security rules today. So we're going to be at White's West, White's of Westport on Tuesday, July 21st at 6.30 p.m. We're going to be at BK's Tavern on 320 Airport Road in Fall River on Thursday, July 23rd, also at 6.30 p.m. And then on Saturday, July 25th at 10 o'clock in the morning, we will be at Venus de Milo in Swansea. If you'd like to attend one of these free workshops, give our office a call. We do ask that you make a reservation so we can accommodate for refreshments and so forth. And the number to call if you'd like to make a reservation for the Social Security Workshop is 508-998-8858. And Mike, I know that you and Attorney Tenny Lance are going to do a small portion of the seminar also. And um, Yes, we will be doing uh, maybe about a half an hour, 40 minutes. Yeah. We'll be talking about estate planning in general. Um, we'll be talking about uh, estate taxes, um, nursing homes, and Medicaid implications. So yes, we will be there and we'll be talking. And if you have any questions or want to discuss anything with us, we'd be happy to do that with you. I want to give you one quick example, Mike. I wonder how many people listening today have ever heard of a spousal benefit. It's uh, it's a benefit. Have you ever heard of the word spousal benefit? Only because I've seen your seminars before. Okay, that's a good answer. Well, um, we're talking to you from the uh, closed studios. There are some window panes, though, that sometimes you can look out and get some funny views of things that are happening in the studio. Uh, but we won't go into the details of that. We'll come back to our subject. Let me give you an example of how a spousal benefit works. Let's say we have a 60-year-old couple, and they both stop working at the age of 60. Uh, both partners have earned the Social Security taxable FICA limit, the maximum amount that they could get, let's say, starting when they began contributing at age 25. So back in 1979, when they were working, that amount was $22,900. That was the maximum you, ha- you could earn and, and have Social Security benefits taken, or it didn't go beyond that level. Now, right now, in, in this particular year, uh, Social Security is taken out of your wages up to $118,500. But let's say that they put in the maximum amount every single year. And maybe the, uh, the husband, and this is not sexist, it's a, it's a fact of life, maybe the husband was paying more into Social Security than the wife was because perhaps his salary was a little higher. But in any event, they put in the maximum, and when they reach something called full retirement age, which is age 66 for people in that age bracket, then they want to apply for Social Security. Well, there's some really interesting things they can do because – If they could defer taking Social Security until age 70 instead, they would get $42,203 a year from Social Security. And the difference between age 66 and age 70 is 32% greater amount. So you can get a much larger amount from Social Security. Uh, In this case of this couple, Instead of getting 31972 at age 66, if they waited until age 70, they would be getting $42,203. So it sounds like a lot of money, but what happens if they need to have some money or what happens if one spouse wants to collect something we call the spousal benefit? Here's how it works. 
Let's say the husband has a higher earnings history. Instead of him collecting at age 66, which is going to lock him into that particular benefit level, he applies for Social Security and then he suspends and lets it continue to accumulate until age 70. Now he's going to collect the higher amount. And not only is it going to be a higher amount for him to start with and for the rest of his life, but if anything should happen to him, his wife, his widow, will be able to collect his Social Security, which will also be at that higher amount. But because he files at age 66, which is normal full retirement age, and suspends, and if his wife is also 66, she can now collect 50% or one half of the amount that he would have received at age 66. It's called a spousal benefit. And that could be fifty dollars or $60,000 of additional money. It's a really big, significant benefit. I had a couple uh, not long ago, um, Mike, and I've mentioned them before uh, when we talked on the radio. And I actually brought in the very precise figures. Um, the husband was a little bit older. He was age 72 when I had met with him. I had done some work for them previously. And his wife said, I'm going to be turning 66 next month, and I'm going to start taking my Social Security. Her Social Security was only going to be $400 a month or $4,800 a year. Meanwhile, the husband was collecting $33,000 a year from Social Security, and he waited until he was 70 to start collecting. So I said, has anybody at Social Security talked to you about the spousal allowance? She said, no, I've never heard of it. What is it? And I said, well, because your husband waited until he was at least 66 to start collecting, and you're now 66, you can get one half of his Social Security benefit. So instead of getting $4,800 a year, one half of the husband's $33,000 is $16,500. This is an actual case. This lady is right now, as we speak, collecting $12,700 additional per year by taking the spousal benefit instead of collecting her own. Wow. And she can do that all the way up until the time that she reaches age 70. Wow, that's and amazing. And then she'll start collecting her own. So we made this family $12,700 additional money just by telling them about the spousal benefit. Spousal benefit is such an important thing. A lot of people don't get it right. We're going to be talking in a minute also about uh, what grandparents can do or if they're taking care of grandchildren, for example, and they're entitled to benefits that they might not even know about. One of the things that I was actually wondering as you were discussing this is if someone's already on Social Security um, and they're listening today, is there any uh, way that they could change things if they started yes. collecting too early? Or You know, that's a really good question, Mike, because a lot of people think, well, it's too late for me. I already started collecting Social Security, but what if you're still working? Or what if Social Security didn't get your earnings history correct? So it's possible to go back and re-examine your earnings history. And if Social Security Administration didn't pick up the fact that you had earnings that weren't accounted for, if you can prove that you had additional earnings that are not being factored in, they will go back retroactively and they'll make up all that additional benefit. So I often tell people, let's go online and take a look at your earnings history. Uh, you can go into socialsecurity.gov. You can do that today, and you can print out a copy of your earnings history. Didn't we have an incident in, in our own office where... Two. Uh, yeah. 
We've had two funny stories in our own office. We had um, one of our uh, fairly recent employees who's been there for a year who wanted to simply examine her record. She's not ready to collect yet. And so she called Social Security, and they said, well, you can do it online. So she went into her Mac computer, her um, tablet computer, and she wasn't able to pull it up. So she called Social Security back again and said, I can't do it on the Mac. And they said, well, you can only do it on a PC. You can't do it on a Mac. So they said the better thing to do then is to write for it. So she wrote for it. In the meantime, she called Social Security again, and they said, no, of course you can do it on any computer, including a Mac. Well, in the meantime, she had ordered her printed history. So she said, I might as well just get a copy of it sent to me in writing. So she got a letter a few weeks later from Social Security, and she opened it up. And it was a complete earnings history of a man with a different social security number. It had his social security number on the paper as well. They sent her somebody else's report entirely. And um, so she called Social Security, and, and they said, well, we apologize. We, we try to get this right, and sometimes we don't. But can you send that report back to us? And I suggested that she simply shred it because she doesn't want somebody else's earnings history. Anyway, she got it straightened out finally. That just goes to show you how uh, proactive you need to be in all of this. Yes. You have to be terribly proactive. You have to realize that it's a very complicated thing, and it's worth your time to talk to somebody and get some professional advice and make sure you're doing it correctly. We have another incident. Uh, my uh, primary secretary for more than 30 years um, is on Social Security. She's working part-time now, and so she wanted to collect her Social Security and she discovered that her record was not accurate. And so she had additional earnings put in, which resulted in higher money. That's two cases in, in the same office. In the same office. And then I'll, I'll tell you one more story because it relates as well. I had a gentleman who came up to me after a seminar and said, I don't think I can collect Social Security because I don't have enough quarters, but I don't know if they ever picked up the fact that I was in the Air Force for four years and paid into Social Security. And I said, well, all you have to do is get in touch with uh, the, the government, the military, and get a copy of your discharge form from the Air Force, the DD-214, bring it down to Social Security, and they'll check it for you. So sure enough, he had not had his Social Security earnings from his Air Force history picked up by Social Security. So they added it in, and it meant that he can get a check. Now, he didn't have high earnings, so he's only getting five or $600 a month, I guess, but at least he's getting something. Mm -hmm. And if I hadn't told him how to go and check his record, he would be getting nothing today. So check your record. Very, very important to do that. And uh, don't assume that when you see something in writing, it's automatically uh, accurate. Uh, check and find out. So we're inviting you to uh, call the office at 508-998-8858 if you'd like to attend one of our seminars. Uh, we'll, we will be at Whites of Westport on Tuesday, July 21, 6.30 in the evening. We will be at BK's Cavern, Tavern in uh, Fall River on Thursday, July 23rd. And then we'll be at the Venus de Milo on Saturday, July 25 at 10 o'clock in the morning. The workshops are free. Uh, you'll learn a lot about Social Security. And Mike, you're going to speak a little bit, too, about some important estate planning topics. So... What are some of the things you're going to talk about? Well, we will be talking about estate planning in general. Uh, we'll be talking basically about trusts and wills and powers of attorney, 
Um, I think we'll also briefly touch on estate taxes here in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. There is an estate tax or an inheritance tax. So we'll talk briefly about that. We'll also be discussing uh, nursing homes and Medicaid and how to sort of plan for that situation. What's always amazing to me is how few people take the time to prepare. I've often said that people will spend more time planning for a vacation than they will planning for their estate. Right. And it goes back to that first question of how long do you expect to live? Mm-hmm. Well, we don't know when something might happen to us. Life is hazard. Life is unexpected. Right. But, boy, you ought to be prepared because it's your family you're talking about. It's. I always... I always find that the people that are most interested in doing anything with regard to estate planning are the ones that have gone through situations in which their relatives have not planned. Sure. And they've had those situations where they had to go to court or whatever. I was actually down at a a little get-together in New York over the weekend, and there was a man there who had gone through a year's worth of probate, and his father had a trust that wasn't funded, and then... uh, that in the end, they ended up owing quite a bit in estate taxes because they failed to plan. So I, I'm guessing that he's going to probably see an attorney at some point. If you fail to plan, you are planning to fail. Right, exactly. One of the quotes that I've used before. But it's absolutely true. Uh, even uh, Warren Berger, the Chief Justice of the United States, died intestate. He didn't even do a simple will. That's amazing. Isn't it? So people, people procrastinate. People have their own reasons. Some people are superstitious. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to know more about some estate planning basics, and it's going to be sort of a summary presentation, but also a very important part, uh, take the time to uh, put some time in your schedule and attend one of these important uh, seminars. You know, Robert Louis Stevenson once wrote, it's not enough to be ready to go where duty calls. A man should stand around where he can hear the call. And John D. Rockefeller also said something interesting about duty. He said, next to doing the right thing, the most important thing is to let people know you are doing the right thing. We like to do quotations once in a while because, you know, a lot of wise people have sounded off and said some things that sort of resonate today for us. But I find people are just, in general, terrible, terrible procrastinators. So you need to know when you're looking at Social Security, what is your primary insurance amount And the only way you need to find that out is by going on the Social Security record. We can show you how to do that. And it's based upon how much money you make. Uh, There's a complicated formula that I'm not going to go into. We'll talk a little bit more about this when we do our workshops. And the other really important rule about Social Security is full retirement age. For most people, it's age 66. Uh, Depending upon when you were born, it could be 67 or a little bit in between, but let's just assume it's age 66. So if age 66 is your full retirement age, uh, that's an important figure. If you wait, if you take it earlier at age 62, you're going to get 25% less, one quarter less than the amount you would have received at age 66. So we generally tell people, unless you have some real health issues and you're not expecting to live very long, you know, back to our basic question, Mike, Um, generally you don't want to take it at age 62. You would prefer to take it at age 66. There's another real important reason not to take Social Security at age 62, and that's if you're going to continue to work. So what I'd like to ask you to do is to stay tuned. We're going to come back after a short break, and we're going to talk about what happens if you take 
Social Security too early and how that can penalize you and cost you money. You'll make it up later, but in the meantime, you have um, shot yourself in the foot, so to speak. So to take a look at our seminar schedule, there's been some advertising for this as well. Tuesday, July 21st, we'll be at Whites of Westport at 6.30 p.m. Thursday, July 23rd, we'll be at BK's Tavern in Fall River. And Saturday, July 25th, we'll be at the Venus at 10 o'clock in the morning. Give us a call at 508-998-8858. We'll make a reservation for you. This is important stuff you need to know. It's about your family, it's about your retirement, and it's about how you can protect yourself. We will be right back after a short break. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to our special program on Social Security and a little bit of important information about estate planning basics. We're here this morning with attorney Mike Coleman from Lance Law, Inc. Mike, how does somebody reach you if they want to reach you? What's your phone number? Our phone number is 508-998-8800. You could also visit our website at lancelawinc.com, learn more about who we are and what we do. Um, I think we also have a recipe sharing campaign on there. Uh, you can see our office mascot, Zoe. So feel free to give us a call or visit our website. Thank you. You know, that's an important thing to remember, too, because I forgot to mention that we have a website at USA Wealth Group, and it's usawealthgroup.com. And visit us at any time. And if you want more information about the seminars that we're doing, uh, give us a call. You know, Mike, Abraham Lincoln once said, the best thing about the future is that it comes only one day at a time. That sounded like a Yogi Berra quotation, didn't it? <laughs> Yogi Berra had a habit of saying things like that. Abraham Lincoln also said, you cannot escape the responsibility of tomorrow by evading it today. Mm -hmm. And we talk about that kind of a subject a lot because people put off until tomorrow what they don't feel like doing today. And then when tomorrow comes, it's the day after tomorrow. So we're inviting you to take some action and come to one of our free workshops uh, scheduled in um, July 21st, which is a Tuesday night at Whites of Westport, 6.30 p.m., or July 23rd, which is a Thursday at BK's Tavern in Fall River, or Saturday, July 25th at 10 o'clock in the morning at the Venus de Milo. And we're doing a special workshop on how to maximize your Social Security benefits. There are solutions to all of this. And even if you're currently collecting Social Security, we might be able to do some things to improve your records. But let me come back to the one thing I was talking about just before the break, which is why you should not collect Social Security at age 62 if you're going to continue to work. First of all, if you make more than $15,000, that's a little bit more than that, for every $2 that you make over that $15,000, Social Security will pull back $1 from your Social Security check. So you've done two bad things. Number one, um, you're not going to get the amount of money that you thought you were going to get from Social Security. And number two, you began your Social Security retirement claim too early, and you're going to be stuck with a lower check for the rest of your life. What if, what if someone's collecting and working? Is there anything they can do about that? Can they suspend? Or? Yes, there are ways to do a what we call a do-over. There's ways that we can do that. And um, 
There's one rule in particular that says if you started collecting Social Security and you realize you made a mistake, within 12 months, within a year, you can say, whoops, I made a mistake and stop collecting it entirely. You can also pay back the amount that you took during that first 12 months and then wait until you're age 66 because at age 66, you're going to start out at a much higher benefit. Now, you don't lose entirely these dollars that they pull back from you. So let's say you're 63 years old, you've already been collecting, uh, you're not going to be able to do a do-over, but you're getting your check, but now your check has been reduced very significantly. What they'll do is the amount that they're taking back from you, once you reach age 66, the full retirement age, they will readjust the dollars that they didn't give you, and so you'll get a little bit more at age 66 when you start to... Uh, when you, when you're, even if you're still working. So it won't matter if you're still working at age 66 and collecting, but you're still going to be stuck at a lower amount than if you, if you had waited until age 66 to begin mm-hmm. collecting. There are so many unusual rules. There are rules for people who are divorced. Um, I've had happy people who are getting divorced when I told them what the rules for Social Security <laughs> were, that they're going to still be able to collect. So you remember that spousal allowance we were talking about earlier? Here's an important little rule. Let's say that husband and wife are both 66. We have an actual case like that that we just talked about uh, this past week, literally. And the wife just advised the office that she's heading for a divorce. Uh, it's been a 20 marriage, so she's been married for at least 10 years, which is a requirement. And what happens if the husband doesn't apply for Social Security at age 66? Can she still go and get her spousal allowance? The answer is yes, she can. It used to be that you would have a vindictive husband, for example, in a divorce, and he would say, you know, the the, the heck with my wife. Uh, She's not going to collect Social Security off of my account. I'm not going to collect until I'm later. Well, Congress finally got wise on that one, and the husband in the divorce situation it's not no longer necessary for him to go down and apply in order for the wife to be able to collect a spousal allowance. Or vice versa. Or vice versa. And um, I have seen some vice versa situations, by the way, when um, the, the wife was the higher earning spouse, had a very large retirement account, they got divorced and so forth. Of course, um, typically she was making more than the husband was making at that point. So maybe a spousal benefit wouldn't help. But yet there's something called file and suspend that she could do under those circumstances. So let's say same set of circumstances, they're divorced. Um, the um, wife wants to collect a spousal benefit off her husband, who's the smaller earning spouse, and she wants to let hers continue. So she can file, she can suspend, she can wait until age 70 to collect her own Social Security, which will be much greater And as long as the husband is 66 and she's 66, she can still go and collect a spousal benefit off the husband's. It's a smaller amount than what hers would be, but it's still free money or found money. And then that would end when she turned 70 and started collecting her own. Yes, exactly. But she's made extra money in the meantime, so it's it's another way to get a little bit of revenge, if you will, (laughs) I suppose, if you look at it that way. But... um, Here's the basic rule. If you don't have to take it at age 62, wait until age 66, which is full retirement age. If you have some significant medical issues and you're concerned about your longevity, if you're single, 
If you really need the money to live on, then maybe you collect at an earlier age. But other things being equal, if you can afford to wait until age 66, wait until age 66. Mm -hmm. If you can wait until age 70, even better, because you're going to start out with an even higher check because between age 66 and age 70, it's going to be 32% higher. The, The numbers are huge, and the decision point that you make, it's going to be with you for the rest of your life. So we, we like to see people maximize the benefits. And incidentally, in the divorce situation, uh, you could have a spouse who has had, um, let's say it's the husband, has had three marriages. All three former spouses, if the marriage has had at least a 10-year duration, <laughs> can file a claim for a spousal benefit <laughs> and can collect survivor benefits wow. when the no-good guy dies. <laughs> <laughs> We have seen a situation like that in the office. <laughs> a gentleman had been married, a man, I should say, a man, not a gentleman. A man had been married three times. Well, he's got three different women who are able to collect benefits. But most people make wrong decisions because they simply don't understand the rules. So get with somebody who understands the rules. Uh, you won't regret it. And we can give you some basics and some things you need to, to learn uh, by coming to one of our seminars. We're all living longer. Um, come to one of our seminars uh, Tuesday, July 21, 6.30 p.m. at White's of Westport. Thursday, July 23rd, 6.30 p.m. at BK's Tavern. Saturday, July 25, 10 o'clock in the morning at the Venus de Milo. But we do ask that you register. Give the office a call, please, at 508-998-8858, and we'll be happy to register you. Um, You can also register online, usawealthgroup.com. So give us a call anytime. And by the way, there's some very important things we're going to pass out at these seminars. We also offer it to people who cannot make it. We have something very important called the Baby Boomer's Guide to Social Security. It's a total of six pages. It's all put together in a laminated fold-out, and it tells you a lot of interesting rules about Social Security. Baby Boomer's Guide to Social Security. We're happy to provide that. And that will be provided at the workshops that we're going to be doing. Now, Mike, you're going to be talking a little bit at the workshop also about the differences between wills and trusts. Why is a will sometimes a problem? Well, a lot of people that we meet with don't understand this, but even if you have a will, that does have to be put through the probate court process. So most people think, you know, once they execute a will, everything's fine. Uh, They're going to go into an attorney's office and sort of just sit down and read the will, but that's really not the case. So if you do have just a will and you pass away with assets in your name alone, that does have to go through the court process. Mm -hmm. And the difference with the trust? Uh, The trust, um, the most basic is uh, the living trust. So once you execute that document, what you do is you fund the trust. So if you have a bank account or real property or other assets, you want to basically retitle those assets into the trust. And then normally the trust or the person sets up the trust would be the manager, the trustee. And then what they do is they appoint successor trustees. So when they pass away, that successor trustee will be able to manage those assets owned by the trust. So there's no need for court. There's no need for the legal fees and the filing fees and all that stuff that comes with uh, the probate process. And it sounds like a trust is more confidential then, too. Much more. It doesn't, like you said, uh, a will is a, a public document. Essentially, once it's filed with the probate court, anyone could go in there and see where all your assets are going. 
Um, the trust does not get filed with the court, so yeah, it's it's confidential. No one can know what you have. I think once upon a time, uh, you or Tenny might have actually gone in and gotten Jacqueline Onassis's will. Someone did. I don't know if it was us, but someone. That, that's a public document. <laughs> yeah. A get. lot of celebrities actually have that happen to them. Everyone in the world gets to see how much they passed away with and where it's going, and um, it's probably something that they didn't want to have happen. I would think. Mm. By the way, we have a very good report called The Truth About When to Begin Taking Social Security. Uh, it's something we got from one of our online providers. And one of the analogies they use is, let's say you had a large financial account and you decided, you know, I'm going to take out the money all at one time because I really want it right now. But you had to pay a penalty or surrender charge to take the money out. And maybe you take a 25% discount when you do that, you know, most people wouldn't want to do that and forfeit that big a penalty. Mm -hmm. But that's really what happens if you collect Social Security too early. You know, one of the other misconceptions about Social Security is that people think, well, I know when I'm 65, I have to sign up for Medicare, which is the government health insurance program. And I want to do that because it's going to save me some money, perhaps, on my health insurance cost. So the most popular age that people take Social Security because they don't really understand the rules is age 62. The second most popular age people take Social Security is at age 65 because they think that in order to sign up for Medicare, well, they have to sign up for Social Security, and that's not true. You don't, they're totally separate. They're totally independent. You don't have to do that. I don't know if you're going to touch upon this at some point, but if if someone out there listening now has a, an IRA or a 401k or something like that and they're trying to decide should they take money out of that or should they start collecting Social Security, what do you think the better option there would be? Well, that's a really good question, Mike. You know, we tell people that it's not only important to understand the Social Security rules, but you need to understand how to integrate that with any other retirement accounts you have. If you have a pension, if you have an IRA, if you have a 401k, so Let's say you have a 401k or an IRA. First of all, we want to make sure that you're getting an appropriate investment return on that. But secondly, you're now retired and you say, I'm going to need money to live on. I'm not getting my regular salary. Well, one of the things you can do, and we advise a lot of clients to do this, is let's start taking some money out of your IRA account as a distribution. You're more than 59 and a half years of age. There's no IRS penalty for doing that. Uh, complete a budget because we want to really see what your needs are and take some money on a regular systematic base basis from your IRA or 401k account instead and let your social security account continue to accumulate because that's going to be essentially a government pension for the rest of your life. And the longer you can wait, as we said, the larger that initial check is going to be and it's going to be larger for the rest of your life. Whereas eventually you may drain down, drain down your IRA account anyway. So maybe you're better off taking money out of your 401k account or IRA first and let your Social Security account continue to accumulate. Yeah, and I'm sure that's, you know, depending on the circumstances. So that's something that you would, someone would have to see you about, obviously, or someone else. Well, here's some of the topics we're going to be talking about. Um, I've recently returned... Uh, from some further specialized training. In fact, I used a phrase, I said, you know, all knowledge is cumulative. You can't ever learn enough about any particular subject. I've been doing social security seminars for several years. I've read everything. I've been to seminars. I just came back from a two-day conference of 
even more in-depth social security strategies. So we're going to talk about some of these at the seminars that we're going to be doing also. Taking Social Security Benefits Before Full Retirement Age, 66. We've been talking about that. Early retirement. Um, maybe you have to take Social Security because you get laid off and you're 62. Uh, what about disability? What if you're disabled and you might qualify for Social Security disability? Well, instead of just jumping in and taking your regular retirement Social Security, why not find out if you qualify for Social Security disability benefits. Because let's say you do that at age 62. First of all, it's going to be a higher amount than what your regular Social Security retirement account is going to be. And you could take the disability until you reach age 66. Now you've let your regular Social Security retirement account continue to accrue and accumulate. They're not integrated. They're not related to each other. So you've gotten some money coming in from Social Security disability. And then when you turn 66, you must turn off the disability and go on regular Social Security retirement account, but your account has accumulated for four more years. Mm -hmm. So that's a great strategy. And so if you have any kind of a disability and you're listening, think about that as a strategy. We're going to talk about something called uh, file and switch. We're going to talk about divorce spouses' benefits. We're going to talk about survivor benefits after remarriage. And there's some really interesting things that I'm not going to go into on the radio that you could actually um, have uh, a divorce situation or get a survivor's benefit, rather, as what I should be saying, and then get remarried and still be able to collect another benefit. And this is a little-known thing that a lot of people don't realize they can do. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more in detail about file and suspend. What does that mean? Well, for one thing, it can allow your spouse to get a spousal benefit. What about a Social Security do-over? We've only mentioned one this morning on the radio talking about this one-year time period, and I've advised people to do that before. There are some other Social Security do-overs you can do as well. So don't assume that because you're collecting already that you might not learn something that would be helpful to you. Uh, file and suspend with makeup. How do you qualify a child or a grandchild for children's benefits? A lot of people don't think about this. Unfortunately, we have a lot of people today who have, you know, in their, their middle years or, or early adult years who have drug problems, but they have children, and often grandparents end up taking care of grandchildren. Uh, they can be eligible to receive children's benefits, which will help them support the child who's living in the grandparent's home. We're going to talk about withdraw now and withdraw more later. We're going to talk about new possibilities for people who might have been previously ineligible for spousal benefits. It's more complicated. There's more than 2,700 core rules on how to do this stuff. We're going to talk about common law marriage, which we don't recognize in Massachusetts, by the way. We're going to talk about claiming spousal benefits from multiple spouses. Doesn't that sound exciting? <laughs> <laughs> Is that, that's possible. So, Mike, if you were to marry yeah. several different women, mm -hmm. I mean, not all at the same time, because right. <laughs> you can't do that, obviously, at least not in this state. Nope. Um, but um, let's say you had very wealthy women that you married. Uh, you might be able to collect spousal benefits from more than one wow. wealthy wife. Keep that in mind. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to talk about combining strategies, but... Um, the most important rule is that a lot of these things are 
are worked out, they're legal, they're appropriate, but Social Security personnel are not really able to tell you these things. Um, clients need to have advice from somebody who can understand the Social Security rules. In terms of your general retirement planning, unless you've been really fortunate to be able to accumulate a half a million dollars or a million dollars or more in retirement accounts, and not too many people in that category, Social Security is going to be your number one most important source for supporting you in your retirement. And you got to get it right. You have to understand the rules, or you have to work with somebody who can understand the rules and give you proper guidance on how to do them. So most people look for some advice. Um, don't listen to your neighbor is the second most important rule. I, I suppose you've probably seen this in your own practice, Mike. People come in and say, well, my neighbor told me such and such. Right. We hear it all the time. Um, like with the misconception that wills just get read in an attorney's office. I think people get that from the television. They That's get that example. from you yeah. know hearing other people talk about things when they don't really know what they're talking about. So have you ever sat down with a group of family members and read the will? No, never. Yeah. I've been asked that question a few times, though. <laughs> so That is television, isn't yeah. it? Well, you know, I, I sometimes tell people, would you ever go sit down with your neighbor and say, you know, I have this pain in my side, and what do you think it is? No. No, you'd go no. to a doctor. You'd yeah. go to a professional. You'd do x-rays. You'd get tested. You'd have somebody examine right. and find out what the problem is. And you would hopefully listen to the advice of the doctor. Yes. Right. But how many people do this when it comes to their finances or their will or their trust? They'll talk to their cousin from Minnesota and said, right. and take advice, or they'll talk to their next-door neighbor. Or they'll go online and try to do it all themselves with uh, various basic documents that are, for the most part, inadequate. You know, I think it was Abraham Lincoln who said, he who represents himself has a fool for a client. <laughs> but um, now get some professional advice, especially when Social Security strategies are really confusing. Uh, they're complex. Uh, there are are thousands of different claiming strategies. I talked about the 2,700 rules, but there is something like 60,000 different variations of how you can assemble these rules and make the one work for you correctly. We work with three different types of software in our office, so we can plug in your numbers. Um, if you have either spouse in a marriage situation has worked perhaps for a government agency, maybe a teacher in the family, maybe a fireman, uh, the rules are different. There's something called the government pension offset. There's something called the windfall elimination provision. Um, I've, I've told this story once before that when my dad was alive, uh, he had a military pension because he spent 20 years in the Marine Corps. And then he worked for an insurance company for another 20 or 25 years and paid into Social Security, and he collected both. The rules at that time allowed that to happen. You can't do that today. Today, there's some very important offsets. Um, and the uh, windfall elimination provision is primarily a situation where um, you're a surviving spouse and you are picking up a pension from somebody else and there's something called a windfall elimination provision. So if your spouse, widow, if you... Uh, have are a widow or widower, or if your pension and your pension is from a federal, state, or local government, the amount you're going to collect in Social Security will be reduced by two-thirds of the government pension amount. 
Hmm. That's the government pension offset. The windfall elimination provision provides that if you get a pension yourself, then there's a formula for how your Social Security benefit's going to be reduced. Now, a lot of people are mistaken <clears throat> and think that uh, they might not get anything. That's absolutely not the case. So if someone were, say, a teacher, um, would they still be allowed to collect Social Security? Uh, if they paid, they would never when they would have had to have enough quarters, which okay. is 40 quarters or 10 years. Mm -hmm. And some people have worked for 10 years before they enter the teaching profession. Okay. Um, and number two, um, they would have had to pay, you know, a particular amount in, and mm -hmm. then the formulas would be applied. Right. But um, the windfall elimination provision is based upon the worker's primary insurance amount, which is that record you can get off Social Security. The formula is complicated. You can do the calculations online, and I've done it online with clients before, and help them calculate. And we came fairly close to the actual number that they ended up with. Um, so um, definitely don't assume that if you've worked for a railroad or if you worked for a teacher or you've worked for a government uh, that there's going to be a, um, a reduction or that you're not going to get anything. But above all, for grandparents who might be listening today, if you're taking care of grandchildren, um, maybe the parent's natural child has a, a medical problem, a drug problem, maybe they're deceased, you're entitled to benefits. We can show you how to collect those benefits. Hmm. So finally, and wrapping up, first of all, Mike, I'd like to have you um, um, tell people your phone number one more time. It's 508-998-8800. Please give us a call if you want to talk about anything we've discussed today. You can also visit our website, lancelawinc.com. And thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Take some time to come to one of our workshops at White's, BK's Tavern, or Venus de Milo. If you didn't write it all down, just call our office to make a reservation, 508-998-8858. We are located on Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. We look forward to helping you learn more about your Social Security. See you at our workshops. Thank you, everyone, for listening to MoneyWise Radio. Remember that none of us can be an expert at everything. Let the professionals at USA Wealth Group help you protect your family and protect your money. Let their family protect your family. Until next Sunday morning, have a safe week, stay well, and so long.